get ready to strap on your boots. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. And in today's episode of Future Tech, I'm going to talk about how the brain is like a computer, a very powerful computer. <laughs> and just like a computer, the brain has storage, processing speed, memory, and energy efficiency. So I'll cover each of those, but also I want to talk about where the brain is headed in the future with devices like the Neuralink or other brain-to-computer interfaces. So we'll start with storage, and most computers that you would purchase at the store or online would be about 250 gigabytes to 500 gigabytes of storage. You can think like your iCloud account, if you have an iPhone, you have five gigabytes, Dropbox, you have a certain amount, Google Drive, certain amount. But most hard drives generally have about 250 to 500 gigabytes, which is the equivalent for non-technical people about, say, 500 HD movies or 250,000 pictures. So this is what a hard drive is, right? It stores your data. It stores your photos, your videos, your documents. Your brain has billions of neurons, and they have to not only process the memories and the things that you see, but they have to interact with each other as well. So what does that really mean? Think about it this way. A hard drive, if you start putting your pictures, your memories, right, songs, videos, into your hard drive, it takes that data and it stores, as, it stores it as numbers, really, like binary code. It stores it as encrypted data sometimes, right? Your brain has to take those same images or memories and it can communicate with the other neurons in your brain to creatively come up with ways to store those as memories. It's not so much as it's just an image as it is it's interacting with other neurons, which makes it be able to process trillions of equations. A hard drive might only be able to process millions of equations. So it's a very big difference between just hosting or storing the data versus communicating with other parts of the brain to store it as a memory. And uh, that way you can bring it back up as a memory versus just here's the document. Well, not only that, but I can correlate the document with this image, with this video, whereas the computer, you'd have to store those into a folder to do that, whereas your brain could automatically link those three things together. Also, in terms of size, uh, what is estimated scientists have come up with about one petabyte of storage, which is 1,000 one terabyte hard drive. So let's say your computer has a one terabyte hard drive, which is 1,000 gigabytes that can store about 1,000 HD movies. Well, we're talking about 1,000 of those your brain can handle. So you, you can basically, your brain could store uh, logistically the entire database of movie history and music history and probably a lot more. So... You know, it's it's a pretty large capacity. Now, of course, computers can access the information much quicker than a human brain because that's what it does. It, it, it processes information. That's what it does, right? But the human brain, on the other hand, if we jump into memory now, we can access memories a little differently than computers. Now, of course, computers are very fast. If you want to ask a computer basic facts like, you know, how hot is the sun or... What's the capital city of Pennsylvania 
or a lot of other basic facts that you can find on Google, for example, the computer is going to be able to pull that up instantaneously. Whereas as humans, we only really remember the things that we can think of, right? So for example, uh, your, your, if you have any kids, your son's first birthday, you'll remember that day probably, or the day your son was born or the day you won an award or very important things that have meaning to you. You'll be able to pull those pieces of information up pretty quickly. Whereas if I asked you where you were last Thursday at 2 PM or what you had for dinner that day, you're probably going to get confused and forget, you know, that it was a uh, spaghetti and meatballs or, you know, a tuna fish sandwich or whatever it is that you had. You'll, for you might not remember. It's not that important. So humans and the brain categorize and prioritize information and memories based on importance versus the computer that just doesn't rank it at all. It's just information is information. But also I found something interesting when I was doing some research was that the human brain also correlates the same types of events together. So let's say that you uh, remember a Christmas or a Thanksgiving event that you really had a good time at. You'll probably remember other Thanksgivings or Christmases or whatever the holiday or special event was because they all kind of go together as the same type of event. Whereas computers don't do that. They just pull up, you know, uh, the 1812, the war of the Spanish war, which, whichever war, they'll pull it up and that's it. They won't correlate that with like World War One and World War Two, because you, you ask for a specific date and a specific piece of information, whereas your brain doesn't do that. Your brain actually remembers all the different times you had Thanksgiving and, and you'll remember those a lot easier. When it comes to energy efficiency, now I didn't know this. I was shocked to hear this, but the brain only uses about 10 watts of energy, which is about, it's less than it takes to power one of these light bulbs, right? These light bulbs are like 60 watts. So one light bulb is like six brains worth of energy. I, I was like mind blown when I heard that, right? So computers, on the other hand, use a lot of energy, right? Uh, not a ton, but like, for example, the computer I'm using to record this episode, for example, has about a thousand watt power supply because I, I do a lot of graphics and a lot of things. So the graphic card needs a powerful PSU or power supply. Thousand watts, that's a hundred times stronger than my brain in terms of energy. So brains are very energy efficient. And I know I touched on processing speed a little bit, how computers are much quicker. I really didn't want to dive too deep into it because of the fact that processing speed, brains just can't keep up with computers. Uh, they're a clear winner. Brains are slow and clunky because we have to think about things. We get confused. We have memory issues, whether it's short term or long term. I mean, there's Alzheimer's and a lot of other diseases that, that, you know, mess up the, the brain, whereas computers, they don't get affected. I mean, sure, they get a virus or, or whatnot, but you can store the data safely. You can encrypt it. You can pull it back up. Computers, they can run 24 seven without taking breaks. They don't get tired. So, you know, processing speed is a tough one because computers really are much faster, but they don't have creativity, you know, uh, they don't pull up memories the way we do and they don't prioritize the way we do. They're just fact-based humans and brains. We prioritize the memories. We pull up things based on memories and, you know, things that we liked, things that we didn't like and that sort of thing. So that brings me to my favorite part of the episode, which is where is the brain headed, right? I mean, we've seen the matrix where Neo plugs into the matrix and he can learn things instantaneously. We've seen 
Terminator, the Terminator series where AI, artificial intelligence, Skynet turns on and automatically takes over the world and the robots take over the world. And there's a lot of different things that might happen in the future. But as we see today, there are scientists working on ways to connect paralyzed humans brain through electrodes and implants to a computer so that they can control the screen, type, control a mouse or a cursor. I mean, this is the beginning of controlling the world with our brain or integrating our brain with computers. I mean, realistically, I believe the approach or the case study here, what could we use, like, say, the Neuralink or another device, an implant in the brain? And as humans, especially nowadays, we are obsessed with technology. Everybody has a phone in their hand all day long. We're on computers, we're on phones, we're on laptops, we're on iPads, we're on the Internet, we're watching streaming videos. Everything is just linked to us. So our attention is being drawn to these devices. Now, what if our attention could be detached from all of these devices and instead our brain is connected to them automatically through, say, Bluetooth or Wi-Fi or whatnot? And so imagine you're in your kitchen cooking and you realize that you are out of milk or eggs or, you know, tofu or lettuce, anything. And you have to stop what you're doing. You have to pull up your phone. You have to go on Amazon or, or you know, Whole Foods, which they both are the same, right? But Or your grocery store for delivery. And you have to now order what it is you need and then, you know, or search online. And then, you know, anyway, it, it's taking, it's distracting you. Okay, so imagine if you could just mentally say, I'm out of lettuce, I'm out of milk, I'm out of this. Boom. It automatically orders those things for you because you thought that you needed them or you think to yourself, order, I need to order lettuce and eggs. Boom. It orders them. The amount of time you just saved by doing that, and this is just the beginning. You're out. Um, sightseeing in a new country you've never been to. And you have to keep pulling up your phone to figure out where are you going on the map and where's the next destination? Can you buy tickets for this place? What is that monument? This, that, the other thing. You can see all of it through like augmented reality because your brain is connected to your phone or to a public access, you know, virtual environment, whatever. And you can just automatically see everything. You don't have to type anything. You can order tickets. Like you can look at a monument or a museum and just say, I want tickets for that. Maybe a little icon pops up on, in front of you. You click it. Tickets are bought. Done. And, and this could go on for a lot of different things. We're talking search and rescue, medical improvements. Imagine being able to see what's wrong with someone as they come into an emergency room just by looking at them. And then being able to, with your brain, instead of having to call the nurse and, and, and set up a room and get certain equipment ready and yada, yada, yada. You just think it and it does it. The AI takes over and does all these things for you. I mean, it's, it's just a tremendous amount of potential that I see brains to computers. Now, of course, the biggest one is memory, right? Our, our, our Alzheimer's patients, people who are forgetting things. Uh, imagine being able to download 
your consciousness and your memory into a computer chip or store it somewhere on a virtual cloud, maybe be able to enjoy a virtual environment so that if you're bedridden and you're paralyzed, you can still live in a virtual environment, kind of like the movies we've seen, like Ready Player One uh, or tons of other books and movies out there about virtual environments or living in a computer simulation or whatnot. To you, it'll seem real. You know, and if you're wearing a haptic feedback suit and gloves and everything, it'll feel real, it'll look real, and for all accounts and purposes, it is real, right? Because it's in your brain, and your brain, you can make yourself believe a lot of things. We've all seen The Matrix. Now, this poses the question, if a brain is a computer, because it does have electrical signals, it does talk to other parts of the brain, which a computer also does, could we, in fact live as a computer? Can we be androids? Can we be part computer, part man? Can we be, uh, or human? Can we somehow live as like cyborgs, I guess you could say, you know, in the future? And I think there's going to be a moment when this happens, when we integrate brains and computers together, because we already know we can replace body parts, right? We can make, uh, you know, prosthetic limbs, and now they're coming up with robotic limbs that are very good, that you can, they're touch sensitive even. I've seen them. So imagine the, the biggest hurdle is the brain because we don't understand it fully yet. We understand, you know, the different parts of the brain and, and what they do, but we don't really understand how to replace it, <laughs> right? Because it's, it's powering our body. <laughs> I mean, so... It's, it's going to be a big one, and I'm curious to see if it happens in our lifetime. I would be more than happy to try an implant one day in the future if, if I'm paralyzed or too old to remember and this thing can save my life. I would I would try it. Sign me up, future self. And I'd love to hear what else you guys think of the brain and the computer and how they are similar and how they're not similar and what you think will happen in the next 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 years with brains and computers. Leave them in the comments. I'll answer them. And as always, I'll see everyone in next week's episode. Thanks for listening. If you learned something in today's episode, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org. Don't forget to pick up a copy of my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, on Amazon. And if you want to dive even deeper into the world of entrepreneurship, I suggest you sign up for my course called Startup Essentials on udemy.com. Also, you can support this podcast by leaving me a positive review and also by visiting patreon.com slash strap on your boots to become a member and get bonus material. See you in next week's episode.